It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It is our weekly podcast where we feature stories and conversation and information about the weather climate, science, all the things that kind of interact with your daily lives. And our goal is to give you the information that you need through myself, your host, Dean DeVore, and our experts here at AccuWeather and from around the world, where we kind of give you the information that you need to weatherproof your life. We have made the turn. This is spring arrival weekend. As the vernal equinox occurs on Saturday, we'll see uh, things uh, certainly start getting warmer in the United States. And we've seen some of that already in the late winter, early spring, coming off that tough winter in places. And we've got lots to talk about as we get ready for spring. One of the amazing partnerships that we've developed here at AccuWeather and with everything under the sun is our friends at the Royal Meteorological Society. And for the third time, second year in a row, AccuWeather is partnering with Armets for the presentation of the 2021 Weather Photographer of the Year. We did it last year, and we're going to do it again this year. And we are so looking forward to talking with the chief executive from Armets, Dr. Liz Bentley, along with Jesse Farrell from AccuWeather.com. In our first segment, as we get ready for that competition, there's a kickoff engagement coming up this upcoming week. And our second segment, Friend of the program, friend of AccuWeather, Dr. Eric Fisher. Dr. E joins us. Spring. We're ready and raring to go, but maybe we need a little patience. That's in our second segment. And for the first time ever, Bernie Reno joins us to talk in our third segment about the weather for this weekend and beyond as we promote National Weather Podcast Month and his podcast, The Weather Insider, that airs daily here on AccuWeather.com. My friends... It's time to talk about everything under the sun. The history of the Royal Meteorological Society goes back to 1850. We documented that history last year. The goal of our Mets is to strengthen the science and raise awareness of the importance of weather and climate, not only in Great Britain, but around the world. And not only by supporting meteorological professionals like me, but also inspiring you, weather enthusiasts who are listening, people that don't work in the industry. And one way they've been doing that is with the Weather Photographer of the Year contest. And for the third time overall, second year in a row, AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com, so proud to partner with Armets. Welcoming in now for a conversation as we get ready to go with the contest of Weather Photographer of the Year for 2021, the Chief Executive of Armets, Dr. Liz Bentley, and from AccuWeather, our own Jesse Farrell, who served as a judge last year and is ready to serve as a judge this year and participate in an opening kickoff event as we get ready for the start of the contest. We welcome Liz and Jesse to Everything Under the Sun. Well, Liz, first of all, it's great to have you back with us. When we last talked, we were right on the cusp of the direct result of that sudden stratospheric warm up and the shift in the polar vortex and 
It's been a long several weeks since that, Liz. And first of all, I just kind of want to recap. You guys got it right away. You got the first push of that polar and that Arctic air. Then it seemed to make a beeline for us in the uh, in the States here a little bit later on. But as we get to spring arrival weekend, I think all of us here in the United States and in Britain really ready for spring. Um, talk a little bit about uh, what with the beast from the east too. How did that go for Great Britain? Yeah, that's right. So uh, I think when we last spoke, we'd, we'd, we'd recorded the sudden stratospheric warming. We were keeping an eye out for the, the potential change in very cold weather. And as you say, we, we saw that across, uh, well, most of Europe, actually. It lasted mm. a few weeks. Um, for the UK, it probably lasted just about a week, very low temperatures. We didn't see a huge amount of snowfall here. Certainly right. parts of Europe saw quite a lot of snow. Um, and but it was the dramatic change then to the warmth after that. That was the key for us. I think February we saw a huge swing in temperatures. You know, twenty, thirty degrees or more swing in temperatures uh, over the space of about twenty four hours. So same, same kind of here too uh, in the lower forty eight, where we, you know, we got kind of the second push of that, and then after having that big bowling ball of polar air go right down to Mexico, yeah. it just like went back up as quickly as you. And it was like, did it even, was it even here? I get it. So yeah. it was, it was amazing. The, the turnaround and uh, it, we're, we're seeing the, the fruits to that. But uh, as we go into the next couple of weeks, things have calmed down now and uh, folks in Britain really getting ready for spring over there. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because there's been a, a kind of smaller version of the sudden stratospheric warming event in the last kind of week or so. And so our papers, newspapers over here, are starting to pick up on whether we might see some snow again as we go into you know the end of this mm, month into April. Right. Now, again, you look at the forecast, there's no sign of that at the moment. They've, they've just picked up on that that sudden stratospheric warming and they're assuming now we're going to see you know, a cold <laughs> blast, another beast from the east. But I, I right. just can't see that at the moment. It's getting a little bit late in the season really for that to happen well right now our long-range forecasters were talking about a little bit of a hangover especially in the northeast and up into new england in terms of uh, the the early spring uh, more mm-hmm. wintry but you know we've seen that actually in this uh, as we go into this weekend we're seeing the last hopefully snow exit some of the major cities along the eastern seaboard here on this friday morning and uh and the warm-up so yeah it's it's been interesting yeah we we always uh here where I live in Pennsylvania, we probably try to not put stuff in the ground till at least May, yeah. but, uh, you know, we can get stuff started. Another thing, you know, for folks that don't know, obviously, we've gone through the time change to daylight mm-hmm. time, daylight savings time here in the United States. Uh, the Brits kind of are on the schedule we used to be on. They wait a little bit later. So your time change is not this weekend, but next weekend. Now, Liz, in this country, there was a lot more hue and cry than normal. And I don't know if it has to do with pandemic, COVID or whatever, or people being stuck inside as much. More hue and cry for the stoppage of this time change. Yeah. Has that caught on in Britain here as you guys get ready to change your clocks? So a little bit of discussion. I mean, it comes around every year, I think, when the clocks change, either at this time of year or in the autumn, but but not not hugely at the moment. It'd be interesting to see as we get closer to that change. 
I, I know there were, I mean, you go back a, a, a few decades ago, it was taken to our government to have a discussion about this. And I think the big push for us, we, you know, we're a small island, but, you know, we, we stretch across, you know, about 10 degrees in, in uh, latitude. And for Scotland in particular, uh, when we move, um, you know, away from summertime into, into UTC, UTC it's a big impact for them. So, for example, if you're a school kid in in Scotland, you'll end up going to school in the dark and coming home in the dark. And so, they they often prefer that time shift, that uh, you know, change in in the clock in the autumn for them. They just benefit from it. I live much further south, you know, I'm, I'm about 50 degrees north. It, it really doesn't have an impact for us. So, it, you know, the, and that's where the discussion comes. I think the, the impact, um, you know, in trying to just make it safer for kids who are traveling to and from school. But it's more the discussion when we change the clocks back in the autumn rather than this time of year. Gotcha. Now, uh, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about before we get to the main reason that we're Conversing here on this special day, uh, the World Meteorological Organization weighed in yesterday. I know the uh, National Hurricane Center, there was some talk about whether or not to move the start of the hurricane season officially in the Atlantic Basin to May 15th. They said uh, a few weeks ago, no, we're not going to do that, but we're going to start giving you updates a little earlier than normal. The WMO just weighed in. They said, no, we don't want to change hurricane season either. But they did a couple of things. They did their normal retirements in terms of names, but they also said, let's get away from using the Greek alphabet at the end if we run out of storm names because they had to retire two of those letter names here because of the the impacts from the hurricanes that that we had this past season. So just some thoughts of that. Um, Was uh, that something that uh, you folks at RMETS had talked about with uh, the WMO? Uh, Just some thoughts there. Yeah, really, really interesting for us. And I think it's just a sign of the times with climate change. So, you know, the hurricane season starting earlier and earlier and finishing later as well. You know, we're seeing that kind of extended season as we're seeing kind of uh, sea surface temperatures increasing globally. Um, and then, as you say, the, the, the opportunity that we dip into the, the Greek alphabet on a more regular basis. And as you say, then we're having to uh, retire a number of those uh, those letters that we would normally just tap into once every maybe 10 years. We, we're dipping into the Greek alphabet every nearly every other year at the moment. So right. it's a sign of the times. It's a sign of climate change. And it sends a real clear message that, you know, the world is changing. We're seeing trends. It may not happen every year, but, you know, if you if you kind of look at it over a period of you know, a few years, maybe a decade, we're seeing that that trend to, you know, an, an earlier season, a late end to the season, and then more frequent number of uh, named hurricanes during the season. And I kind of understand their point that when so much focus is uh, given to that aspect, oh, we've gotten, and these are the letters, da, 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 that it takes away from the message of the severity of that particular storm. Um, now, Britain has been naming storms for a while. All right. Here in the United States, obviously, we have one entity in the media that names non uh, tropical storms. Yeah. Uh, But um, so so has it has was there initial pushback on that in Britain? And is that kind of evened out or how how's it go? Yeah, so we launched uh, naming of the storms. I think it was 2015. So it's been going about six years now. And um, 
originally, you know, it was it was done as a kind of public engagement activity. So we we asked the public to come up with names and we got thousands of names being sent in. And the first year, the first winter that we did it, we had a lot of storms. So we made good use of the names right. and uh, it was seen. It was useful for two mechanisms. It's really useful to uh, emphasize when there's a high impact weather on the way. So as, you know, if a, a storm gets named, you know, you know, you know, it's it's a real juicy storm to get your teeth into. Uh, it helps to get that message out ahead of a storm. But it's really useful after a storm when you look back at a winter period and, you know, you might look at a, a, a series of storms that came through. You can actually name them. It's helpful to kind of register when they happened. And, you know, a, a particular flooding event might have happened in association with one of those storms. So it's useful beforehand and afterhand. And 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 it's grown. So it started off just being the Met Office and Met Aaron. So the Met Office in Ireland were doing it. It's now expanded to KNMI and the Netherlands are also involved in naming the same storms. So it's become a really useful tool for, you know, countries across uh, Western parts of Europe. Now, we have a little bit of a geography problem here in the United States because our storms sometimes get strung out so much that it's hard to maybe identify one center that's um, affecting a, a, a more regional area. I mean, and so, and we saw that this year with these storms, like we had a 72 hour period where it snowed constantly here from just kind of little systems that kept going on. So it would have been hard to call that one big storm. So, I, you know, it, there's, I think there's arguments on both sides. That's going to be interesting to see how that continues to shake out. We are talking to uh, the chief executive of the Royal Meteorological Society, Dr. Liz Bentley, and we are here because we are celebrating the third time that AccuWeather has partnered with our Mets to present Weather Photographer of the Year. And we're excited to kick that off here uh, this week. Not only are we joined by Liz, but also Jesse Farrell from AccuWeather.com, who has been part of this, uh, was part of uh, one of the judges in last year's uh, of contest and looking forward to Jesse's uh, interaction here too. So Liz, let's uh, start it off by telling us uh, some of the details about weather photography of the year, when people can start putting stuff in and, and give us a little bit of a quick timeline. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that we launched the competition on the 29th of April, so next month. We've actually got an event Thursday, so the uh, the 25th of March. Uh, we're doing an online event, a free event, just to to bring to life the whole competition. So, but the actual launch of the competition is 29th of April, and the competition closes on the 29th of June. So it's open for a couple of months. Uh, we then have a judging period over the summer, so that will happen in July, uh, and then we'll produce a shortlist um, in, in August. And the shortlist then gets opened up to the public to, right. to vote on their winners, and that happens between the 26th of August and towards the end of September, 23rd of September. And there are two competitions that the public can vote for this year. So normally we would only open up the main competition, but uh, as, as normal, we've got the, the main competition, but we also have one for younger photographers, so sure. they're kind of under 17s. But we're opening up a new category this year, which is for people who've taken phones on their smartphones. Oh, So you don't have to have had a you know full digital camera to take the images. Lots of people nowadays take images on their, mm -hmm. on their smartphones, smart yep. devices that, that are just as good quality. So we're going to have a separate category for that. And we'll have a public vote for that one as well. So again, um, we're going to launch this and we can go to the RMET site for this event that's happening Thursday. And then you've got April 29th to June 29th to submit? Correct, yeah. Okay. Now, 
one of the things that I got and got confused when I first got involved, it doesn't have to be something that happened in that time frame, obviously. And so, so I guess as someone, and I just took, I mean, did you see that a week ago? I had a really cool shot of a post sunset rainbow. You don't see that very often, but, mm. but the refraction and it was just, and it was kind of golden in color. It wasn't the full, like normal rainbow kind of, it was really cool. So I may have to do that. I may have to enter that. So how far back can I have a picture or a photograph that I can enter into this contest? Yeah, so typically we're probably looking for images that have been taken in the last 12 months. I know last year, because we were in the midst of lockdown and COVID, we opened it up to go back you know, multiple years. So, you, you know, knowing that people weren't able to get out and do take images. But I think I think there's the ability to do that. So there isn't there isn't a set time period. So it could go back much further than that. But typically we're looking at the, the last 12 months really of images uh, to send in. So it sounds like the one you've got, Dean, is perfect. Although okay. I don't know whether I don't know whether you're able to, oh. you know, the links yeah. with AccuEver, mm, not yeah, quite sure. I, I so I can't not. enter, unfortunately. I, being... I, maybe can we get like an honorary uh, <laughs> uh, subject here or an honorary thing? Uh, Jesse Farrell, I uh, wanted to bring you in because you were part of that judging process. And I remember it must be a little daunting to see the amazing things that people submit from all around the world, from all age groups, all socioeconomic situations and just beautiful pictures how did in the fact did you whittle it down to those 20 and how did you pick winners i mean is that one of the most difficult things jesse that you have done in this uh, situation yeah it really was difficult um because there were so many good photos that were submitted so many just amazing photos that kind of just take you to the place where it was taken and you feel like you're inside inside that photo seeing those conditions it's just wonderful but yes it took a a long time to be able to whittle it down and and a lot of tough decisions had to be made um, i'm excited this year that we have the smartphone uh, category as well um, because the smartphones these days take take uh, quite nice pictures um, and we wanted to uh, be able to take a look at those as well. And also the fact that, you know, these weather photographs are usually triggered by something that's an immediate quick situation that sometimes is a once in a lifetime. You have to be in the right spot at the right time. And you may not have your big digital SLR handy and you got to get that image. So, you know, what did we miss out on before we had smartphones in some of these photographs? It must be amazing to I think that's going to be an amazing category. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things that I'll be talking about at the event next week is is some photography tips and, and tricks. And the, the very most basic one is to always have your camera or at least your smartphone with you. I've been continually surprised over the years. Great pictures that I did not anticipate, but happened just because I happen to have my camera. And also kind of a knowledge of the weather, which you can do if you if you can anticipate maybe an event happening. Liz, you were going to add something? The weather, the, the images that we get, we have a huge range. So you have the really spectacular, dramatic images of lightning, tornadoes, big storms. 
But we also have, you know, in contrast to that, very benign conditions, you know, beautiful scenes of calm, misty, murky kind of, you know, the the, the optical kind of uh, images as well. So it, it doesn't have to be all whiz bang and, and very dramatic. You, you know, there's a whole range of images that we're looking for. And so, you know, being caught on a digital camera or on a smartphone, uh, it's irrelevant. It's capturing that that kind of beauty, whether it's dramatic or, or you know, a calming kind of influence of the weather. And also, I think the ability that 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 picture tells some kind of story. I think uh, I think from what I remember last year, for the ones that made the cut to the what was it twenty that you picked out for then the 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 uh, the general public to vote on. You folks judge them separately, best of show and all those kinds of things. But then mm-hmm. you allow the public to make their choices and it doesn't always line up. It was pretty close at times. But, uh, yeah, if it tells a story and it generates a conversation, I think that's, you know, if somebody wants to ask themselves, is this a good picture? Well, like I said, if it tells a story, generates a conversation, then, yeah, it's a good picture, right? Yeah. So some of them will have people in because it's the impact the weather's having on the, you know, the people that are in the image and you can and, and you can see and feel the weather because of that. Some of them, I mean, I remember we chatted about this, Dean, didn't we? We looked at the, I think it was the winner of the junior competition, the the, the leaf that was frozen in ice. Right. And the more you looked at it, the more you saw, right. you know, it was one of those images you could keep coming back to and it your eye just got drawn to another area of the image and just something you hadn't seen last, you know, the last time you looked at it beautiful image but it was so simple such a simple image and then i think the other thing i think jesse brought this up is too or or it was the interaction with jesse where folks in parts of the world would see something and like oh that's amazing i've never seen that before and and jesse be like oh we see that all the time here in the u.s right and and, it, and then it goes the opposite way too is like jesse probably saying like oh i've never seen that before oh that's all we get that all the time here so that's the nice discovery about What's amazing and kind of shocking visually weather-wise is different in different places of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, just looking at the judging panel this year, we've got uh, previous winners of the Weather Photographer of the Year. And some of those have been doing photography for years and, you know, staying out overnight, trying to wait for that perfect image. And others came to it as complete amateurs and were just at the right place at the right time to get that perfect image. So you've got a range of people on the panel who've kind of got experiences of, you know, whether in their on their in their kind of own backyard or different parts of the world. Uh, we've got a new judge this year. So Joe Bradford's joining us because we've got this smartphone category. So she's got a real background in smartphone uh, photography. She's written a couple of books on, you know, smartphones, smart phot- photography, and so forth. So uh, she'll be a really good addition to to the competition judge panel, really, to to help us kind of tease out, particularly for that new category of of smartphone images. Jesse, just real quick, uh, was there anything last year that you were surprised, uh, of, of not necessarily of seeing, but maybe something you were surprised you didn't see in some of the pho- uh, photographs? Uh, maybe. Uh, some weather phenomenon that maybe folks can try to take a picture of that might uh, spark the interest of the judges? Oh, I don't think I could say that there was. There was such a range among the thousands of photographs. Really, literally everything was covered, including things that you might not think you could normally take a picture of and really capture, like rainfall. There were a couple of great pictures of rain that really, really illustrated um Uh, that kind of weather. And I was, if I was surprised, I was surprised by how well things like rain um, 
uh, were captured by by folks. So, so more simple, mundane things in our minds, but that were captured beautifully in that in that forum. All right. Can so, I just again, can I just add one thing? So, I don't know whether absolutely. it was like this in the states, Dean, but when we had the beast from the east, going back to what we were talking about a minute ago, sure, it was it, we had really dry, powdery snow, and we were getting loads of images of people who could get a, a snapshot of a whole snowflake that maybe just landed on their jacket or on the the ground in front of them, and it didn't melt immediately. We, we often in the UK get very soft snow, good snow right. for building snowmen. But yep, yep. We, during the Beast from the East too, we were getting very powdery snow. And I was seeing loads of images of perfect snowflakes. And I don't know whether you get this quite often in the US anyway, but I'm hoping we're going to get some of those images being submitted to, to this year's photography competition. We, we get those. But then the other thing I see, I thought I saw more of this year were big bomber flakes in a lot of these mm. systems where there were times when, you know, and they look like they're floating down. I call them bomber flakes because, it, it, you know, a normal snowflake just kind of drops like a jet, you know, and then this thing was kind of coming down and looked big and huge and then splat it would get yeah. on the, the so so yeah, that's that's cool. Oh man, I'm. Are you sure I'm not eligible? I really, come on. I'm, I really want to get get going on this. Well, look, friends, it's it's good to be with you. Um, we've been really treasuring this uh, opportunity to work with our Mets, and that means we get more chances to talk to you and your staff, Liz and Jesse, and and we'll keep updating this as we go through. Again, the competition officially opens April. It'll last through June. Uh, you have that time to submit all of the information on rmets.org, and you can just go in there, and it's a great website that's all laid out. And then you can get information on how you can be part. Uh, talk about this event Thursday. Yeah, so we've got the panel of all the judges um, and a free event. It's online, obviously, at the moment. Everything's virtual at the moment. Uh, Jesse, you're joining us, hopefully. Uh, we've got uh, you know a lineup of people with different backgrounds, whether they've got meteorological backgrounds, photography backgrounds, or a mixture of the two. And it's just an opportunity to celebrate you know, the Weather Photographer of the Year competition, but maybe get some tips as well if you're thinking about going out, doing taking some shots of, of weather. Liz, Jesse, thanks so much for being with us. We're excited about this partnership and we look forward to talking with it more with you guys on Everything Under the Sun. If you'd like more information about the contest, you can go right to the RMETS website, rmets.org. And there on the front page, scroll down a little bit on the right side, there's a little box that has all the information about the Meet the Experts event. That's kind of the kickoff here that's coming up on March 26th on Tuesday, 6 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. That's uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time on the West Coast. And, of course, uh, Liz will be there, Jesse, and some other folks to talk about this upcoming Weather Photographer of the Year contest. If you'd like to uh, get Liz on Twitter, it's D-R-L-I-Z-B-E-N-T-L-E-Y. Dr. Liz Bentley and Jesse Farrell's on Twitter as well, Weather Matrix. W-E-A-T-H-E-R Matrix, M-A-T-R-I-X. So now that you're caught up with how to get involved and the information you need to get ready for Weather Photographer of the Year, are you caught up in your own kind of development as we get ready to turn the page into spring? It's been a long, hard winter, and I know a lot of people are raring to go as we get into this uh, spring and summer with the better weather, the easing of COVID restrictions. But are you in the right frame of mind to do that? Friend of the program, Dr. Eric Fisher, Dr. E, joins us up next. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com.
Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com as we continue here on this first episode of our spring series here in 2021. One of our uh, frequent guests early on in this podcast, we resumed it last year and became a little more sporadic in terms of being on, but certainly every visit is meaningful. In fact, I kind of joked with him as we were setting this up. I kind of use our visits with Dr. Eric Fisher, Dr. E., who uh, is a registered and licensed psychologist. He's appeared on major news networks. He's been part of AccuWeather in our family, doing some daily doses of sunshine with us before and other uh, things. He really helps people find the art of living life, and he's in tune with the weather and the climate. He's always a great guest, and certainly, as I joked with him before, it's um, really I treat this as like a, my own personal session with Dr. E that I make public, and hopefully we touch on some things that you and your family can think about as we get ready from transitioning from winter to spring. We welcome Dr. Eric Fisher to Everything Under the Sun. Happy spring, Dr. E. It's uh, good to talk to you. Good to see you. How have you been doing? Uh, good, good, and enjoying the weather. And uh, I built a, a flagstone patio last weekend in my front yard. And uh, you know, as we get older, it uh, comes with a little more aches and pains, but it, it's also part of the journey. So I'm I'm ready to enjoy the sunshine and and see that people are getting their vaccinations and getting back to life and interaction. So I think there's a lot to look forward to and a lot to anticipate in time. We just have to hang in there. I agree with that, Dr. E. And, uh, you know, um, I think we're all feeling that with the with the change in seasons, you know, since you've been so instrumental in being with us so much. So when we started this program about a year ago, and I guess that's one thing we're coming up right now. I'm I, I just celebrated my one year anniversary of working from home. It was this past Monday, and I was actually one of the first people in our company to be pushed uh, out uh, from the office to have to work at home when had to build this studio. And now you, I look around in the studio and it's it's feeling like home. And so there's a lot of things going on right now. I think this idea that it's been a year since all of the, this stuff started to go down, that we have hope. I'm half vaccinated. I get my next uh, dose uh, in early uh, April. Um, I've got some things going on this spring that are exciting for me professionally and things are starting to look up. And sometimes I feel like I want to walk before I run. I, I'm feeling this tug of war right now. And, and that's kind of spring in itself, right? The tug of war between the cold right. and the warm starting to want to come back. And so it's kind of all is part and parcel right now. And to me, one of the things is I got to keep telling myself to be patient. As they say, patience is a virtue. Uh, and I think if we even look at our our country, you know, was not built necessarily on patience, and and we have to look at. They say Rome wasn't built in the day. So as we work through the things that are going on in our life, we have to ask ourselves: Have we stopped to look at how far we've come? Have we stopped to look at what we're feeling? 
what our family's feeling. And I think through this was through COVID in many ways, I think almost became about survival and people were talking about being, being mindful. And I know the videos I did for the daily dose of sunshine things I was doing with AccuWeather were often about helping people to reflect. And still we had our kids to take care of. We had our jobs to do at home. We still had bills to pay. We had all these stresses and, and now we just want to move on. And I think these are good times to really stop and reflect to see what did I learn through this past year? What have I learned from working at home? What have I learned in our family and what works for us and what doesn't? And really take that time to, to reflect and, and, and see what we can learn through our self-evaluation. And, and to be uh, self-critical. And, and, and it's hard because, uh, again, I think everyone is just so ready to, to um, let their guard down a little bit. I think the other thing that I've been noticing, um, just such a cocoon in some ways that we've been in for the last year, um, where very, you know, it, it was work to keep your little circle going, right? Your family or your, even your neighborhood or that. And so there wasn't as much perspective with, uh, you know, outside the outer circles of your life. And I'm finding as I'm rediscovering some of those things in outer circles, I'm, I'm finding out shocking things. And I'm also, you know, there's been some rifts over the last year in terms of attitudes about the uh, politics and certain things. So I guess what I'm saying is, um, you know, that's another thing as we start to get back in more contact with people more and more. Uh, another place I think we have to be patient that it's maybe not as it was when we kind of left off that uh, maybe less important relationship a year or so ago, there may be some changes in attitudes and things that we have to be careful of. Is that something right. that you've been thinking of? Oh, exactly. And even, you know, even again, another daily dose of sunshine I did was, was in my garden where I was talking about cultivating a garden. Sometimes you find that you have weeds in the garden that are detracting from your ability to grow the healthier plants because they're competing for nutrients. And I think that's maybe what some of us found in our lives. And we have to be careful of, you know, who we cultivate ourselves with. And we have to be careful of, are we eliminating people that could be healthy for us, but we might disagree with them. And when we're, when we might be in their presence, maybe we feel feelings we don't like, maybe we feel shame or embarrassment or guilt. But I say, if there's friends or people around us who are, are trying to make us feel shame or inferiority or guilt, we have to evaluate those and look at the difference. And I think these are the times, like I said, through, as we find our ability to cultivate health as we see that we can kind of churn that compost in life to make it the rich soil that we plant our future in. And because now is the time to start to plant the gardens. So see all the metaphors in life, see the deeper things in life that we can see and moving forward. And as you know, spring is about a time of renewal. So look and really set your goals, see the goals you're going to set as you move forward. You know, I, I once I once wrote a poem. It was uh, about a boy who can see in the world in the world of the blind. I called it Second Sight. And I said, were it not for his time in the dark, he would not have recognized the strength in the light. So I think as we look in this past year, we may feel like we see darkness and we see such a, a, a difficult time and a time of mistrust and fear and doubt. See the value of each emotion. That doubt wants us to ask more questions. Fear lets us know when we may need to protect ourselves. Overwhelm lets us know that we need to step back and simplify things. And that's where, you know, we've touched on some of those 
purpose of emotions before, and I come back to it again today. Dr. Eric Fisher joins us on Everything Under the Sun as we kick off our spring series. And uh, Dr. E, as we as we reemerge into our relationships with some other people, one thing that I've been kind of concerned about, too, is there's some people that I haven't seen in a while. And I'm kind of a little concerned. And then there's also some people that I've seen that have had some behaviors that have been uh, bothering me or or maybe concerning me a little bit. Um, as we get back out into the social circles, is that something we have to be careful of in terms of how we approach either of those situations? I think I think it's it's wise just to kind of just ask people how they're doing. You know, I think we can always expect that I'm fine, I'm good. You know, and sometimes you want to just want to kind of slow down and say, "How are you really doing?" And and not in front of a group of people, but more on a one on one. We're still kind of programmed in our world think, to make it look like everything's okay. And mental health it has become such a critical discussion. There's, you know, with the higher rates of depression in teens, adults, kids, higher rates of anxiety. Um, there are a lot of, you know, the risk of suicide. We don't sometimes get a second chance to ask somebody. So I think it's important to let that person you know, you know, I've been thinking about you. And I know this has been a rough time and there's been a lot of disconnection. And, uh, you know, I'd love to make sure that we stay connected and let people know that they're important to you and why they're important to you. Sometimes you can say, you know, you're, you're really important to me, but not really have to say, you know, I missed you because I really appreciated this about you. And making those personal ties to people and letting them know how they're significant can sometimes keep somebody alive when you don't know how close they might be to not wanting to be here anymore. And, and one thing I would say about people with suicide is they just don't know how to make the pain stop. And they think that suicide is the answer. And I would say, no, you, you, can, you can help the pain. It's just the pain may not know how to help itself. And that's why we want to learn to understand ourselves better. When uh, about a, three or four months ago, I started a practice where when I had some downtime in the afternoon, uh, which is kind of, you know, my evening is uh, early evenings. I, I would try to think of somebody that uh, I hadn't seen or talked to and I would I would reach out. And, and it really it, it was therapeutic. And, uh, you know, I had one situation where someone came back a couple of weeks later and said, you know, I was I was really struggling then. And just you reaching out really helped me. And, and I think, um, yeah, it's 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 scary, though, to because, I mean, there's just so much sometimes you know, it's like, uh, just don't know exactly what stone you're going to unturn and what's underneath those stones. And sometimes it's, you know, it's hard enough to keep our own lives balanced and that, you know, you feel that responsibility to uh, tackle some other things. So, uh, as we get into this early part of spring, what are some of the goals you think that, uh, we should set for ourselves here? Um, I think you talked about, uh, kind of taking stock and, and doing a little spring cleaning in our minds and in our houses and those kinds of things in terms of, you know, making sure we evaluate what's been good and what we need to get rid of. What are some other things that, uh, you'd like to see folks do here in the next couple of months to get ready to have a good summer? I think to set goals, you know, people who write down goals are 80% more likely to accomplish them. So write, write goals down for activity, exercise. If you want to, you know, plant a garden or if you want to plant a window box and watch it grow, if you want to even schedule in your goals, reach out like you did, reach out to one new person or one person I haven't heard from 
um, every week and, and set a time aside to do that. Uh, it create schedules to do that so they don't get past you. Because again, if you don't write that down the goals with any timelines to them, it's easier to let those fall to the next day, to the next day, to the next day. Take the time to get out and slowly introduce yourself back to people. Because if people have been really stuck in isolation, doing their own things, they kind of built their own new patterns. So getting used to being around people again, especially for people who are more introverted, that can be difficult and it can almost feel anxiety provoking. So give yourself patience, allow yourself to take the time you need. And I think that too many people just want to rush out there and dive back into these things. And if they can't reassume the life they had right away, you know, they, they feel like it's a failure and it's not, you know, failure tells us when it's time to learn and it may be time to learn to slow down and take your time and just be mindful of the moments. Well, uh, Doctor, we always end with a uh, uh, one of your cards with all your mm-hmm. Zen cones on it. We pick one and we talk about it. Before that, I want to thank you again. When we restarted this podcast about a year ago, um, he was a key component. We had him almost on every week in that first series where we concentrated on COVID. This is National Weather Podcast Month. And so uh, thank you for your help uh, over this past year as uh, we've enjoyed uh, having this uh, National Weather Podcast get some uh, great reaction and uh, appreciate all your help. And we look forward to continuing our relationship with you as we get into what I guess our new year, our second year of uh, cycle here and great stuff. So did you get your cards out and did you make a pick there? I am. And I just picked a card right here. It said, do what you will, but not because you must. Do what you will, but not because you must. So I think, again, a lot of times we feel like there's things we have to do or that we feel we're supposed to do because either society says so, or our upbringing says so, or we feel pushed to do that. And I think to me, this is really about stepping back and being mindful. What do you feel comfortable with? Don't fall into habits just because they're habits. And, you know, one of the things this, this talks about is when we get into habits, we're, we're not being aware of really the emotions that might drive us, our hopes, our wishes, our wants. We just do it because we're supposed to. And, and one of the things I often do in my office when I find people falling into habitual habit patterns of even speech is I'll do something that they don't expect. I'll say something, you know, that, that doesn't fit in with the thing or all, you know, might, might toss a ball at him to get him to get him out of go, that. Go out of character, right. Or something like that. Right. Exactly. And I think, I think sometimes we have to be aware of that. So if there's something we catch ourselves doing, just step out of that situation and stop yourself or say, you know, I don't know, Gesundheit. I don't know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Something that's just bizarre, just to shake us up and help <laughs> look at another way of looking at that life situation. Gesundheit, German for like, bless you when you say, if in case somebody doesn't know, I mean, it's uh, I growing up in a German family, that was uh, actually something that was said a lot in our house. Yeah, my, my, my mom was Pennsylvania Dutch, so and French. Yeah, there you go, right. So now with a Puerto Rican partner, I am as uh, easy to say salud now here, right? Uh, <laughs> there you go. All right. One more time with that saying, just so we can let it sink in. Do what you will, but not because you must. Dr. E, uh, we do what we will because, well, we enjoy it. 
<laughs> and it is a must that you come back and visit us again. Thanks well, for being with us here this week. I feel honored to be a part of the program and a part of you guys. And you, know, you guys are you guys are part of my family now. If you'd like to get more information about Dr. E and his work, including the two books that he's written, The Art of Managing Everyday Conflict, Understanding Emotions and Power Struggles, and this one, The Art of Empowered Parenting, the manual you wish your kids came with, well, you can get that information on his website, Dr. E Presents, drepresents.com. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's DCTRE, a little shorthand for Dr. E. That's DCTRE. Dr. Eric Fisher, thanks for being with us. And when we come back, a real friend of mine, a colleague at AccuWeather, and someone who's never been on this podcast. Certainly been on a lot of AccuWeather podcasts. In fact, every day you get to hear or see this man. Bernie Reno joins us up next on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Gaining knowledge on terms like what's a nor'easter. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. And welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com, our spring kickoff, our first episode of the spring series. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host, and it was a pleasure to talk with uh, Dr. Liz Bentley from RMETS and uh, um, certainly Jesse and then uh, also Dr. E. And so we're going to continue this star-studded lineup here today because not only is it the beginning of the spring, but March is National Weather Podcast Month. And so we're going to be uh, talking about that a little bit here over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, one of our great podcasts that we hear every day here at AccuWeather.com is Weather Insider with my good friend and first time guest. I can't believe it's been a year and we really haven't had you on this show. Bernie Reno. Welcome. It is a pleasure to be here, uh, Dean. And yeah, I'm the star. I'm not sure of that. But you know what? I was just talking about this. Now, this is your show. I'm, well, you know, and I, I was way. saying, you know, it's nice. I'm just going to sit back yeah. and answer questions. I don't have to carry the show for five or six minutes. So in a sense, I'm going to take a little breather and have you do all the hard work. That sounds good. Um, and Weather Insiders been been around and, you know, at times you've had other guests and stuff. But, yeah, you've been carrying the water here for the last few months doing it by yourself. And but, you know, I find that you never have a difficulty filling that five to six minutes. And I've known you for 20 plus years and you've never had a difficulty filling four or five minutes. of. Well, uh, I can say time. the same thing about you, Mr. Dean. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you've been known to talk and fast. You and I have, have, have uh, hosted the Weather Insider podcast yeah. on a number of occasions, but you right. know, it, it's been a busy couple of weeks. We, we had a little, uh, a little break in the action up until yesterday. And, you know, Dean, I was already looking at next week. Mm. Me Boy, too. next week that the pattern, once again, this looks like a severe weather pattern across the country as we go in the next week. So here in this last segment of uh, Everything Under the Sun, we do take a look at the weather for this coming weekend and the week beyond. And as this drops Friday morning, yeah, the, the last full day of winter. And we're seeing a little bit of that uh, in the, the northeast with some uh, snow moving off the coast pretty quickly. First thing Friday morning. 
maybe the you know the couple of inches maybe in some of the southern New England folks uh, there, but I think the biggest situation around New York and up into uh, New England uh, will be some slick spots here yeah. with those, those temperatures dropping and near freezing and. Uh, that will cause some issues here Friday morning. And then it looks like the sun comes out quickly and in a real quick turnaround. I mean, the temperatures that we're seeing for the weekend, the, the model numbers are already coming up pretty good. So uh, springs in right on time. It seems like Mother Nature is doing the trick here in the northeast quadrant of the you country. Know, the main story is, and, you know, we have a rule of thumb here at AccuWeather. If the sun is out in March, mm-hmm. you better make sure you're predicting temperatures at least near normal. But I'll tell you what, Friday is a cold day, but yeah. the weekend looks be- much better. You know, Dean? The sun is so strong this time of the year, even when temperatures are below normal. If you don't have wind in the afternoon and you're bright yep. and sunny, it feels pretty nice. It does. I mean, and that's where our real feel factor comes in. And 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 folks, just take a look at that. Sometimes if you're looking at our numbers and our real field numbers, look at a day that's sunny and windy and then a day that isn't. And, and the real field numbers actually go higher than the temperature, obviously, with all that sun. And you're right. This uh, March sun angle. It's uh, well, we're going into August and and early August in terms of the intensity of sun. As uh, we cross over the equinox on Saturday, we're then into the latter part of solar spring. And here comes solar winter just down the pike. And uh, we're we're ready for it. Bernie, as I look at next week, uh, well, over the weekend, we're going to have to deal with some snow in the Intermountain West here again. Sure. Denver gets some snow, uh, certainly not the amounts they got in the last storm, but they're going to have to deal with some winter there again in the uh, in the West this weekend. Yeah. And then, you know, what's happening. You've got an active storm track now across California. We had to wait until March to get it because, (laughs) you know, you know, the the rain in California, that was I don't want to say it was a disaster, Dean, but February is the wettest month in California, Southern California, Los Angeles. They didn't get a drop of rain in February. Now the storms are coming through. And, you know, Dean, I was kind of looking ahead. You've got the system coming into the northwest. You're talking about the Intermountain West and, and into Denver. And then that system starts to come out into the plain states you know, Monday night into Tuesday and, you know, you start getting a return flow. We could be looking again, some isolated severe weather across the plain states as we move into Tuesday and Wednesday. And then even late next week, another system coming in the Northwest barrels in boom. Well, we'll have to wait and see how that works. But I mean, when you get the active storm tracks in California and the North and the West coast down the road, that means severe weather. And that's what we've certainly seen over the last 48 hours. Looks like another real surge of warmth here for uh, the Northeast for first part of next week. You know, I was kind of was laughing. I wasn't sure. You know, we hit 70 in some cities uh, a couple uh, the week before last. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to myself and others, how long is it going to be till we hit 70 in some of those cities? And, I, and some of the numbers look like it could be three or four weeks. But there may be enough warmth to challenge that 70 degree mark in some areas again here in the Northeast. I think what mid 60s for New York, if you're Monday into Tuesday, that's not out of the question. That's not out of the question. And again, that's that's telling you you've got system coming into the West. You're getting a West Southwest flow. And that's why I'm also worried about the severe weather in the plains. But certainly it looks like the warmer air is in. But I'll tell you what, Dean, Friday, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not even going to feel like mid to late March on Friday. It's going to feel more like early March. So this is going to feel nice over the weekend and then even better early next week. So, my friend, uh, Say hi to everybody over at the AccuWeather Network. Yep. We look forward to seeing you when I can, when I'm not doing my radio stations and glance at you and, and say hi. And, you know, maybe one of the days, you know, maybe maybe for Weather Insider, you'll have me on. As well, a I was going to say, now you're going to have to repeat. You'll have to come on 
I, I always call it my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, it was a pleasure, Dean. And uh, again, let's see what happens next week. But boy, it looks like after a tranquil weekend, we're going into a stormy pattern again. Bernie Reno from the AccuWeather Network, from uh, Weather Insider and all the other great things that you see and hear him on AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com. Bernie, thanks. I think one of the better weather follows on Twitter is Bernie's Twitter account. Not only does he kind of forward all the stuff from AccuWeather, but also give his own spin on things and uh, does some uh, Periscope videos and kind of gets you uh, up to date, even off hours. So Bernie's always thinking about and talking about the weather. That's why we love him. You can follow him on Twitter at AccuRaino, his last name, R-A-Y-N-O, AccuRaino on Twitter. Certainly you can see him on our AccuWeather network. Friends, that'll do it for this episode. It is great to get jumping into spring. We'll get episode two underway next week, and we'll kind of continue uh, talking with and kind of highlighting some of the other weather podcast it is national weather podcast month we'll talk to some of those uh, from outside the accuweather umbrella and get some information from those folks and we'll get you ready for more spring planting spring living and getting ready for the warmth to really push in maybe some severe weather to get you prepared for next week as well for all of us including our executive producers ken prell and andrew rob and the hundreds of accuweather team members working hard every day to get you weatherproofed and ready I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host. We'll see you next week, episode two of our spring series. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.